I had a great time in the, in the 90s. Internally, I was known as the vice president of failed projects, which was actually, the, I think, the, the best job I've ever had because it was basically like, we think we might want to do this. Jim, go, go try it. Hey, welcome to the Painless Podcast. That's Jim Andrews, and I'm Chris Hartwig, wishing you happy Valentine's Day. That's right, today's guest for episode 41 is Jim Andrews, Senior Vice President at Chicago-based IEG ESP Properties. And on each Painless Podcast, just like we'll do today, we connect with good human beings from the sports and event marketing world. We're not here for sound bites, but real conversations with smart, interesting, generous people. They'll share how they've reached the success they've had and how mentoring and networking have shaped their careers. Whether you love it or avoid networking at all costs, it's time to take the pain out of networking. One way for sure is to check out www.painless.network, set up your free profile, and you can simply and directly connect with other members to painlessly find a solution, job posting, sharing an internship, finding a project partner. Maybe you're looking for a new job or need to vet and connect with a partner or vendor. Just head to the new painless.network today to take the pain out of networking. We're already hitting 500 members on there. Let's keep going and keep growing that engagement. All right, some quick notes before we get started. First, thanks to our painless partner, Assemble Shared Office, for such a fun Valentine's Day networking event in the morning. Get your morning and your day started off right. Thanks to the guys at uh, Assemble Gold Coast this morning. Props to Tempesta Media's Michael Marchese for the tasty donuts and everybody who came out. Good to see everyone. Second, for all my fellow Chicago painless networkers, if you've got cabin fever like I do, just remember the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle 8K is coming soon, March 25th to be exact. Our good friends at the Shuffle are again offering a discounted painless race entry. Sign up today. Use the code PAINLESS. Get 10 bucks off. Just use that code PAINLESS when you register at shamrockshuffle.com. And third, if you're interested in the 2018 IEG Sponsorship Conference, it's only the best, biggest, and most successful out there. Of course, listen to this chat coming up in a minute with the conference chair, Jim Andrews. Do you know you can also save 450 bucks on a conference admission? What? That's right. Yes, sirree. Head on over to IEG2018.com and use a special painless code, IEG2018PN. That's IEG2018PN. PN for Painless Network. Get 20% off IEG Sponsorship Conference April 8th to 11th at Chicago's Sheraton Grand Hotel. So many great speakers and panels and roundtables and networking opportunities And guess what? I'll even be doing a special live painless podcast during the IEG Sponsorship Conference. Come check it out and save yourself a chunk of money with that special painless code. Find it in the description. All right, let's get going. Today's chat with Jim Andrews is a good one. Recorded last week, February 8th at IEG ESP Properties in Chicago's River North. And a big thanks to Penny Perry for making this happen so smoothly. Now let's get connected with Jim Andrews. Welcome to the Painless Podcast today at uh, IEG ESP Properties in uh, River North, uh, about to get snowed on yet again, what, like the sixth time in the last five days here in Chicago, Jim, I, uh, and I know you're escaping town, so God bless you. Hopefully. But, but Jim Andrews, <laughs> the Senior Vice President at ESP Properties, is joining us today. Uh, Jim, how, how do you describe your, your position right now and what you do uh, on a daily basis. So as Senior Vice President of ESP Properties, two main responsibilities. One is overseeing our, what we call our editorial products internally. That would be the IEG conference, as well as uh, ESP sponsorship report, our, our digital newsletter, and also our sponsorship webinars. And aside from that, I also then uh, oversee all of the marketing efforts, uh, content marketing, thought leadership for ESP properties for our consulting and sales business. So not much going on, right? No, not at all. I like the chairman of uh, IEG 2018 (laughs) sponsorship conference. That's also, that's impressive. That's coming up. It's the 35th. Yes. That's crazy. (laughs) 35th coming up in Chicago, April 8th through 11th at the Sheraton. Sheraton Grand is the proper name. Correct. Is it IEG 
Team.com? That, that is correct. That is the website. Or sponsorship.com is how we it, can kind of see everything that you guys do, which is a lot. Absolutely. Website. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we got that out of the way. Let's travel back in time a, a, a little bit. Uh, I, I believe I read in your bio, you're from New York? Is it? Are you from New York City? Born from, on Long Island. Oh, I don't know. Nassau, like Nassau County. Nice. Yeah. I don't hear it in you. You've lost the... Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it's long gone. If you met my parents, they still have it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you ended up both undergrad and grad uh, at Northwestern in the uh, prestigious Medill School, uh, if I'm also remembering correctly. That is correct. How did you end up here? I mean, uh, besides it being an awesome school, how did you end up uh, from Long Island uh, (laughs) in in Chicago? Uh, We started on Long Island and then uh, I actually spent most of my childhood outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, Dad was transferred. He was a salesman. Uh, So I grew up in uh, Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Uh, Went to Mount Lebanon High School. I was a freshman when Mark Cuban was a senior. Ooh. Uh, unfortunately, had I known who he would become, I might have uh, uh, done some networking at that point and <laughs> tried to introduce myself. But um, uh, yeah, and then uh, you know, I thought I wanted to be an actor when I was 14. So I enrolled in, we had a great theater program as well as a great uh, sports program at my high school. Uh, uh, went into the uh, freshman theater class and on the first day the teacher said, so you think you want to be actors and actresses, well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to end up living in New York City. You're not going to get jobs. You're going to end up waiting tables. Uh, and I, I'm, <laughs> sure, yeah, I'm sure he thought he was doing a good thing by, yeah. by, by uh-huh. making it realistic, uh, but it just scared the heck out of me. And I thought, <laughs> okay, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so the next, uh, next semester, I went into the high school newspaper uh, class, and uh, <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what sent me on the road to, to Northwestern. Hey, you caught the bug right then in freshman year of high school and yeah. said, Okay, and and then so you went through. Did you go straight through from undergrad to grad? I did. Okay, yeah. And then what was the thinking at that point? In you know, <laughs> and towards the end of your four years of undergrad, you're going into grad school. Were you thinking, you know, I'm going to go be the next? What, you know, what, whatever at uh, the New York Times. Exactly, or, okay. or, or uh, Vanity Fair. Yeah, I thought, you know, New York City uh, or Washington newspaper, magazines. This was 1987. Uh, you know, that's what you went to journalism school for mm-hmm. primarily. And what did you do when you graduated? <laughs> I, actually, I actually came here. Uh, so, you know, it, I was looking for newspaper jobs. Uh, neither the Trib or the Sun-Times at that point wanted to hire me. Uh, they didn't hire too many people right out of school. Uh, so you had to, at that point, be willing to go to, uh, I think I had uh, interviews with a uh, paper in Dubuque, Iowa, uh, small town in, in, in Florida, um, and I really thought long and hard about that, and I said, I'm just not ready to move to Dubuque and make $14,000 a year, which I believe was the starting salary. Uh, let me see what other alternatives would keep me in the big city. Uh, and this, again, being 1987, there was a, a job board uh, in the journalism building up in, yeah, in Evanston, a board, a board a, with push pins and pieces right. of paper. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call it a job board these days, youngsters. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and there was a notice up there that a marketing newsletter based in Chicago was looking looking for a reporter, uh, and it was called Special Events Report. And I said, well, it sounds fairly interesting. Uh, might as well uh, set, drop my resume in the mail uh, and, and see, <laughs> see if I get a, uh, a call back. Uh, and, and I did. So, and that turned out to be um, IEG and, uh, and Lisa Euclid, our founder at the time. Yeah, how big was, I mean, were you, what, with just a an handful empl- of employees? Employee right? number seven is what I'm known, known as around yeah, here. Yeah, that's all that, yeah, that's <laughs> just the number, your brand. Um, and so, so you've been here since 87. Yep. That's impressive yeah, was... and unusual these days, <laughs> very, right? So, very. so the, the, now the, the conference being 35 years had been underway. At yeah. That I missed point, the first right? uh, three or four. Okay. And that, but, and was that part of the early role or were you focused really, you know, heavily on the jet, what well, now would be generating content, but writing articles and reporting? What, how was, how was that? Right. So again, with, with only seven employees, we all did everything. So definitely uh, did a lot of work at the conference, but my primary responsibility at that point was to be a reporter for the newsletter. So it came out every two weeks. Uh, again, we 
put it in, in envelopes and mailed it out to people. And um, uh, my job was to find interesting stories that were happening in sponsorship, you know, new deals that were happening uh, across sports, arts, entertainment, festivals, nonprofits, um, and, and to write about them, uh, find new companies that were just, you know, there were lots of people who were doing this for the first time, lots of brands who were doing this for the first time back then. Uh, so it was kind of surfacing those and then calling them up and saying, hey, we see that you just signed to be the official bank of the Cleveland Indians. Tell us why you decided to do that and what you're going to do with it, those kinds of things. How much of that has changed in in terms of the either the information that a sponsor, a brand, a team, whatever, will give up? Will they give up more or less now? Is it, you know, how is that part of the job really changed of trying to capture and then you know, pass on that business intelligence, if you yeah. will, onto people? Is it- it's a great question. And I think it, it, it's probably gotten a little bit more difficult. I think at that time, because this was such, such a new area, uh, there was a little bit more, uh, and there weren't as many uh, people involved. It was a little more of a community feel, so you could get people to open up a little bit more. Now, nobody's ever, you know, willing to share contract details and how much they're specifically they're paying and things like that. But I, I think companies today play things a little bit closer to the vest. So our folks here, uh, Bill Chips, who, who's really our primary uh, news gatherer and, and, and uh, really heads up the sponsorship report, uh, his, his job is, in, you know, in many ways, it's a lot easier because he has the internet to rely on, which we didn't back then. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's not as easy to get people to really open up, particularly on the brand side. Uh, and we understand why. You know, people don't want to share uh, competitive secrets and proprietary information. But uh, well, it's balancing some of that on both sides of trying to gather that you know that real info, not be just doing fluff pieces, if you will, of trying to gather that without necessarily giving away, as I would say, the, the secret sauce. And so, you know, how, how do you guys balance that? Because also you do, con, you know, consulting and and um, consultative work and even um, representative work for, for certain brands and properties across IEG and ESP. How do you balance that of giving out or, or reporting too much information that then may not benefit them, or it opens up to competitors having too much info. I, I, I don't know if I'm making sense with my question. Yeah, no, but. I, I, yeah, I think I see where you're going. And and first of all, I mean, we we've always had um, you know the, the the Chinese wall yeah, between right. our our editorial out, side sure. and our consulting side because we started out as uh, primarily as journalists. Um, you know, when when Lisa started the publication uh, in the early '80s and, and evolved into also doing conference, you know. The role here, IEG saw itself as providing information mm-hmm. to the industry, um, and we still have that as our core. You know, we firmly believe that. The, the, the consulting uh, work and everything that, that we've done since then you know, kind of grew organically from that, with people coming to us in, in the early days saying, hey, you've got all this information. You're obviously um, you know, involved in this 24-7. Uh, could we hire you to just, you know, do some one-on-one consulting with us about how do we approach people for sponsorship or how do we do a better job as a sponsor. So again, that was that was very organic. And once we started to that really make that a serious part of our business, and it's now grown to be the bigger uh, part of the business, uh, we uh, we made sure that we kept uh, kept that separation so that we don't use the conference or the webinars as a vehicle for talking about our clients. Uh, and and we also and we promise our clients that anything that they uh, divulge uh, in in the part of a, a consulting engagement will never you know just be publicly right. put out there. Very important and yeah. keeping those ethical standards is certainly important. Oftentimes, I talk to. Or pretty much every time of uh, through 40 episodes so far, um, it's very, very, very rare people staying in the same within the same organization for this this long. Frankly, um, how have you managed to either keep it fresh or have you you know have you come close to I don't know if I you kept, you'll even tell me this but come close <laughs> to you know leaving in the past. But but how do you keep it that it's interesting not only moving up and adding different responsibilities? How have you kept that? Yeah fresh, interesting, exciting to come to work every day? That's a great question, uh, because as you say, I, I don't know any, I have no peers that, <laughs> that I know of who uh, have been uh, working for the same organization for, for 30 and, and a half years now. A couple of different ways to answer that question. Certainly in the early days, it, it, things were growing and changing so much in this industry. It was it was very exciting to be in on the ground floor, uh, if I can use right. that cliche. Well, and, yeah, and, but it was at that point. Yeah, it, I mean... There wasn't the there wasn't a 
many options for this information, and so you, you were you were kind of almost setting the rules too, right? right? Which was great, and and uh, and again, I give credit to our to our founder uh, Lisa, who just you know saw that that opportunity early on, and so we were there, and we were helping to li- literally write the <laughs> the definitions and set some of the rules and establish things like evaluation methodology and right. and and really be the first ones to kind of publicize the idea of activation, you know, and and we didn't create we didn't invent that. I mean, you know, I, the, the people at Coca Cola who were doing it started saying this is what's important, um, and we were kind of the the megaphone for but saying you, well, that's this it. makes sense. That, right. Everybody needs to know that this is the smart way to approach. We're giving some examples of what they were doing and what others were doing, and so that people could digest it and take it to the, apply to their own product, brand, events, right. whatever, right? So there was so much happening. There was so much new stuff being created all of the time at that point. It was it was exciting to to write about it and to be the people that were exposing it and and sharing it and uh, uh, and then in, and internally we were just developing you know further. But the conference was growing, and we were developing other uh, ways of getting the information out. And then when we went into consulting, there were opportunities to, to dabble in that uh, as well. And then, you know, in the 90s, um, I had a great time in the, in the 90s. Internally, I was known as the vice president of failed projects, um, <laughs> which was actually, the, I think, the, the best job I've ever had because it was basically like, we think we might want to do this. Jim, go go try it. Go see, you know, should we get into the search business, executive uh, right, search, yeah. you know, because there people were coming to, again, organically, people were coming to us and saying, hey, we're looking for a director of uh, sponsorship. Um, you guys know everybody. Can you do this? So we, we dabbled in that for about a year um, and realized that the business model, we had a couple of clients, did some uh, uh, searches, and, and it was fun, but it wasn't going to be uh, right. good for our, our, our business model. We, things we wanted to concentrate on more than that, so we didn't do that. Uh, looked at uh, expanding into Europe at one point, mm-hmm. so I got to spend a lot of time in London, and we looked at maybe acquiring some of the publications over there at the time, which mm-hmm. are no longer around, um, and again, decided for business reasons, no, that's not the way we want to go. Um, we started a newsletter for the endorsement uh, industry, athlete and celebrity endorsements, the uh, IEG Endorsement Insider, uh, which I wrote and published for about a year, um, and uh, realized that that particular field is a little bit smaller than the sponsorship. So there just, again, wasn't a critical mass of uh, people who needed to pay uh, a lot of money for a subscription right. or enough money to make wow. it uh, yeah. sustainable. So again, we, after a year, we said, no, let's not do that. So again, none of those went anywhere, but it was it was, a, it was a heck of a lot of fun to to try and uh, and well, see the, where it would go. Honestly, that you know, even a you're getting a almost an entrepreneurial well, not almost you're getting an entrepreneurial experience, but uh, a startup type of experience without some of the risk, <laughs> which may take some of the adrenaline away, but it also allows you truly what the most startup successful or even not successful startups tell you is you got to be prepared to fail, right. and sometimes that's where you learn the most is on failures about yourself or about what you really want to do or what your company is really built to do. So that's interesting that you had that, that, uh, you know, that was great that you were given that opportunity yeah, basically really to, to, to fail or succeed. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot then <laughs> though. Has there been stuff that has come out of there or are you a hundred percent, you hundred percent failing? Uh, boy, that's a, that's an interesting question. I would have to say, I mean, of the things that I led at the time, um, well, I guess the webinars. You know, webinars mm-hmm. a little bit later than that, when, when those started to become a thing, uh, which is now probably 13, 14 years ago. Wow, yeah. Um, we kind of jumped on that and said, this makes perfect sense well, for us. I think us. you probably took, not to put words in your mouth, which I'm always good at trying to do, but <laughs> but you put the like the endorsement piece. You're like, well, this doesn't stand on its own. But there's these certain elements that we're seeing there's traction from, and we'll continue to cover that in a section of the sponsorship report or or in a, in some other kind of content. I'm, right. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so well, I mean, that was that was great to be able to learn that you're figuring out everything, budgeting, staffing, marketing of all those pieces, and then you can apply that to the other stuff that you're doing. What then of the last? I don't even know what the number would be of ten years or five years. What, what's where have you spent most of your time? Where are you seeing this business uh, taking off to with all the access online to information? 
where do you guys continue to provide information that maybe I can't find somewhere else? Right. Or, or how are you identifying that next thing? And I think that's that's been our big shift in terms of, again, the editorial products. Uh, it's The big shift has been from being a news outlet because now there are, you know, either through the internet or through other publications that came along after uh, we got started, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunities to read about the fact that um, uh, Coca-Cola just re-signed uh, to be the sponsor of the Olympics for another however many years or something like that. Uh, so we're not breaking news uh, and anymore, not talking about the, the latest deals. Um, but where we, you know, I think our bread and butter and what people come to us for is, um, you know, digging into the details of, okay, what are these companies and the, and the categories doing? What are the hot buttons? What are the trends? Uh, and a little bit more of the how-to. Uh, so if, if um, you know, if you're a property and you've got your social media and your digital media channels, you know, what are the best ways to monetize those in cooperation with your brand partners, your, your sponsors? And really just kind of getting into that. I think that's something that we, there's not a lot of, um, you know, other uh, content out there uh, that gets as detailed as we do. And one of the things that we rely on for that uh, is we have this amazing database um, that, you know, we, we have full-time analysts here at ESP who do nothing but but scour <laughs> the world looking for the latest deals uh, and the details of that. So then we're able to produce, you know, what I think are pretty amazing reports about here's here's what's happening in the banking category. You know, here's here's where they're they're spending their money both as a category and then the individual brands. You know, what what they're doing, what activation tools they they mostly rely on. So that you know, that's where our subscribers are coming to us to to learn about that. So they can really say, okay, if I'm going out looking for uh, a bank sponsor, I now have the information I need to put together. You know, some at least start with the basics of I know what their right. what their hot buttons are. I know how they usually go to market. Uh, I understand which you know which which areas are most important to them, and then they can you know build on that individually with through their conversations that right. they have going forward. What you know, where are there opportunities at this point, or what's what's going to be a key to be a differentiator for IEG ESP from your side of the business at least? making sure you're staying relevant or staying out in front and providing that content that they can't find somewhere else. How, how are you, ma- you know, managing to yeah. do that right now? Yeah, I think, I think right now we're seeing really kind of a, um, um, a lot of uh, people looking at not just, uh, on the rights holder side, not just sponsorship revenue in a vacuum, but how does that uh, work hand in hand with 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 media rights? Because you know, obviously, the media landscape has changed, uh, and it, it's a great opportunity for so many rights holders to be able to say, you know, especially the smaller ones. Not, we're not talking about the NFL or the the NBA at this point, right. but um, uh, the National Lacrosse League, uh, for example. They're going to be speaking at the conference. Um, yeah. 10, 20 years ago, even this year, the National Lacrosse League is not going, you're not going to turn on CBS on a Saturday afternoon and watch a National Lacrosse League match. And that's not saying anything bad about that. No, no. That's just, that's the the, that is the reality. And, and they know that. And uh, But again, up until now, they didn't have an alternative. Um, now they do. They don't need CBS or right, ESPN, the right. <laughs> they can do it themselves, so to speak. They right. can go over the top. They right. can develop all these. They can work with Facebook Live or Twitter or whoever um, they want to to uh, stream and, and, and mm-hmm. get this content to the not hundreds or tens of millions of people who want to see it, but the hundreds of thousands or maybe the millions of people who do want to well, see right, it. Right. And they can monetize that. So, um, so I think that is, that's, you know, the overused term game changer, but that really does open up a whole new avenue for lots of, of different types of rights holders. Yeah. And, well, so, and how do you think that, I mean, that's the, this, everything we see, even with, with really kind of broadly using that term content, mm-hmm. you see that on TV or radio to satellite radio, but TV to satellite to, you know, the over the top, Stuff like uh, who was it that just this last week was it L.A. Football Club? That's, yeah, the L.A. Yeah, that's LAFC with uh, YouTube, on TV, YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of them, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that um, that is obviously a huge trend, and it's it's how does somebody? I mean, it can be both an opportunity and a real um, 
uh, issue isn't really the right word, I guess, for, for you guys, because there's so many different places now to capture all this info. That's great because there's that many more people to, to, that could be looking for your info or that you could be grabbing stories, content, trend information from. So that's good. That's growing. But then the flip side is like you're in so many different places. You're, you are over the top or you're, you know, old, the old um, standard TV production and you're, or you're neither. And then social and other digital options and old still print is still in existence and all those things. <laughs> like it's so fractionalized that you almost, do you guys have to try to make sure you don't try to be too many things? I, I guess that's, you know, I, how, how do you make sure people are happy without it becoming diluted? And it's not really a question specifically for, a charge of the publication and all, but right. in general with this industry, it's, right? it's something that everybody has to gonna, address. Yeah. Yeah. Without making things too generic. I just don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got off on my tangent. Yeah, here, no. but how, how, where do you see that stuff? How do you see you guys being effective with playing a major role in disseminating being a thought leader? That, that's right. And, and it, it kind of starts with, and this is the kind of the beauty of, of our hybrid business model here, which is, again, very unique that we have kind of a, an agency structure, a consultancy structure on the one hand and uh, thought leadership and content on the other. Uh, as with many of our, uh, when we talk about issues like this and trends and things that are happening in the industry, it will start with the work that our, our consulting teams are doing. So we have in this area particularly uh, you know, gotten into and hired a lot of people who are experts mm -hmm. in in media and and content. Right. Uh, so so you know, what they are doing with with our clients right now in sitting down and having that conversation about what is the best model for you and it's going to be different from from organization right. to organization about you know do we put all our eggs in, in in one content basket or do we try and go broad? Um, you know those are the conversations they're having and then you know, again where we can learn without sharing too much information and nothing proprietary, but where mm -hmm. the editorial side of the house can learn from those kinds of engagements, we can then identify, he, here are the questions that are being asked here, some of the ways that, uh, that, right. that they're being uh, answered so we can you know, continue to move the dialogue uh, on, on that topic. How nice is it that it used to be you Right, <laughs> had to do all of this, right? right? Like you talked about when it was seven people, plus you're doing all the events and you're, you know, touching everything. Now you've got a, a team of people that you can tap and, hey, what's going on with this? And they can feed information up or you can look at them to go look stuff up. You do have that dedicated to editorial side is the short qu question, Those that kind of resources of individuals, right? We, we pretty much, the way it works is we have the consulting side, you know, they're, they're doing the work in terms of gathering mm -hmm. information for our database and, and the day-to-day -day work with our clients. Mm -hmm. And then the editorial team, which is significantly smaller, uh, you know, our role is to engage with them and say, okay, let's... What okay. are you guys learning? What's out there? What, right. what are you hearing from the clients? What what new stuff are we getting uh, in, into the database and, and help us identify what we should be talking about? And then we will take their information. Uh, they can download it to us and then we package it, if you will, yeah. write it up and, 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 and put it out there. Oh, nice. So in a way, then they're, uh, they're out in the trenches on that side of the business. So it's even probably more in, in touch with reality, frankly, than just, you know throwing some darts and saying, well, right. we think this is coming. And that's, They're yeah, that's the big it, difference right? in the old days. Cause as you were just saying, you know, when we were working the phones, we, we relied solely on people we were interviewing. It was like, how much information is this person going to get when I call them up? whether they're at a rights holder or a sponsor and whatever they give me, that's what mm -hmm. I, that's what I have to work with. You know, here again, we have, as you say, we've, we've got more information coming in because these folks are working in the, in the trenches. The challenge is again, we have to anonymize and can't use everything. Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, it, it, it's great information and intelligence that we're getting. Well, there's not really any publications that are out there that have the history certainly to put together for like the database that you talked about. Everybody's playing catch up if anybody right. is, so I mean, is there is there really competition on this this side of things? I mean, there is, but I mean, yeah, you can look at it too. And on this side of things, uh, you know, I, I 
would say there's not direct competition in terms of the kind, the specific content we're putting out there. Now, again, we it's, it's really more about competition for attention because if you're, you know, if you're in sports marketing, you know, and attention and, and resources, and you say, okay, here's here's my number one, my budget for subscribing to publications, and I'm going to need to allocate some of it to Sports Business Journal or Sports Business Daily, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and and those types of things, and 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 then how much time do I have in the day to read through stuff. So it's, it's more along those lines. Yeah. Uh, you You're know, fighting I, for those it, eyeballs, it, it, and there's only so many eyeballs to go it, Exactly, yeah. Um, now, it's being a little bit different than uh, going to the cork board and finding <laughs> a job uh, like you started out here. How are you hiring people now? I'm, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are you know, either early on or maybe even students still and or, or recent grads, but trying to break into this field because they're doing something they don't really love and this is something they have their passion for. How do you hire people these days? What kind of backgrounds do they have? You know, we obviously being such, uh, as I always call us, this hybrid organization, we, we hire a lot of different types of skill sets here. Certainly on, on, on the consulting side uh, and, and the sales side, you know, very, very different skill sets than, than the, uh, the editorial team. Um, you know, for, for my folks, I would be looking for, yeah, people who uh, can both gather and, and, and more, even more importantly, probably communicate well. Still, for us, for the most part, that's that's written. That's what I was going to say. Uh, is communications. That, I'm assuming that's yeah. written. Yeah. And where does that honestly? Where where's a good place to get experience with writing professionally? If uh, if I can use that term, where are you finding people that are have some of that polish that you don't have to you know start from scratch? Yeah. What's a, what's a good type of either jobs or. Whatever is it blogging? Is that it, what, you know, it, it what? certainly can be can be blogging. Uh, you know there are, there are, it seems like there are fewer and fewer and fewer journalism <laughs> graduates out there. Although obviously it's having a bias towards those. That's that's where I mm-hmm. start to look. Um, you know, and in all honesty, I we I am very lucky with my team. We have a uh, even though I'm here the longest uh, at uh, thirty and a half years, we have a, a bunch of people who are closing in on twenty and twenty five. Yeah. So I haven't to be perfectly honest, haven't needed to do a lot of hiring on the editorial yeah. side because uh, we have mm-hmm. some uh, some long-term employees here. So um, um, I, I will be challenged when when one yeah. of them uh, decides right. it's time to <laughs> uh, to do, move on. But do I'm I'm guessing there's there is amount of interns and things like that that yep, you do absolutely people looking to to check out opportunities is the best thing to go to sponsorship.com. sponsorship.com. All of our job listing uh, information is always up there. It's up to date as well as through LinkedIn, uh, internships as well. Um, we, we have a very uh, great relationship with both Northwestern and DePaul uh, here in, in Chicago. So mm-hmm. they have um, uh, you know, fed us uh, some interns and, and we do do a lot of outreach to the other kind of sports marketing programs. Right. Uh, we currently have a, a great intern, Danny O'Brien, who's here from, from Syracuse. Um, and uh, you know his uh, professors and the faculty up there were familiar with us, and uh, he he also searched and, and, and found us. Um, and um, so yeah, so we, we definitely look to the uh, um, the sports marketing uh, programs that are out there. And that's a big change, though, from you know you graduating in '87 and myself in '92. There were there were very little to no oh. sports management. Yeah. programs and not a lot of even, you know, beyond journalism, um, even media relations and, and those kinds of uh, full programs. So right. that at least there's that chance as a student or grad student, you can dive a lot more deeply into that, which mm-hmm. is great. So it's providing te- theoretically more invested people and more people, these guys coming out of school with legit experience. Right. What about, you know, working, being the painless networking <laughs> group and the net, talking a lot about networking and things, how do you recommend if building these relationships? Because you have to have them that you call up so-and-so at a rights holder or a team or a big event. How do you get to those people? How do you build relationships? How do you keep relationships that... Uh, you know, benefit in both information and then just, you know, idea exchange. It doesn't have to be that you've got to get a good quote from them or something. Right. How, how have you gone about that? And has that changed? Or are you 
you know, air quotes, old school about that. <laughs> just kind of what what's worked forever has worked. How, how do you go about that on a daily basis of adding people to your, as we would say, Rolodex, but to your <laughs> to your contacts? Yeah, no, it, it's a great question, and I think that it's a combination. I mean, I, I think in general, uh, we do the things that, that we've always done, which is um, you know, share information, and, and obviously, you know, that was why we started as a business, and that's the core of our business, and and uh, you know, the really really good stuff we ask people to pay for. Um, but I think, there, but there's also, we have a lot of information here, you know, little bits and nuggets where you, where you say, you know, either a, this group of people or these individuals that I know should really know about this, this stuff that just came across my desk. Um, and what's nice today is that it's very easy to share that, you know, I don't have to, as we did 30 years ago, pick up the phone <laughs> and say, hey, guess what I just learned and call in everybody individually. I can you know, shoot out an email saying to all the, the, the minor league baseball folks uh, that, that are on our list, um, just, just saw this really interesting news about something that another, a similar type of organization is doing, uh, thought you might be interested in that. And just uh, oh, so you do, yeah. So you do some of that. Oh, sure. Still, that not only doing it for some specific need of contact with an individual. That's that's your that's what you're talking about with sharing information. That's exactly. Great. Yeah. I mean, to to us, that you know, that fits into thought leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as you know, you write the big white papers and and, and even blog posts and to basically show how smart you are and, and, and what data you have and, and and all of that. You know, just even these kinds of these smaller. Uh, things are are great to do too. I think that all that all adds up to thought leadership or content marketing. Um, it's just you know keeping yourself out there, uh, and um, again, it's it, you know you're building personal relationships uh, so that uh, you know they will be hopefully will respond in kind when you reach out to them and ask well, them for information. Right. Yeah. Uh, but also you know they may remember um, when it comes time when they have a need for to hire someone or to if they're looking for. A consulting agency that at least they were like, you know, I know those right. guys do that. So right. let me, uh, let me just shoot them a note. Yeah. J- yeah. Jim's been great about sharing some of this information. Uh, that, you know, Hey, we got to go deeper on something. Let's go mm-hmm. talk to them. Coming back around to current day and what's coming up in a matter of eight weeks or mm-hmm. less now yeah. from when this podcast post is the mm-hmm. sponsorship conference. You, you guys, uh, I mean, 35 years of this, mm-hmm. 1200, or so people come yeah, to this Yeah, we'll thing? have about 1,200 people there. Man, that's amazing. That's another one, too, I guess, of there's got to be a lot of work and thought put into how do we keep it fresh that it's not this cookie cutter that, okay, you know, we've done it this way or we've always had a session on this, so right. we do another session <laughs> on this. I'm assuming that's kind of a community effort around here yeah. and you and Penny and across the board of people, hey, let's try this. We've had this person. We've had this topic. What do you guys think? I'm assuming there's... a that community that you oh, guys yeah. have all known each other this long that sometimes you're even completing thoughts. But, <laughs> but how do you do that to keep it? Because anything that runs that long is, is impressive, but to be the, you know an industry standard with an yeah. event like that, how do you keep that going? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and uh, it, it helped that we got out there early and established ourselves. But it, the conference, uh, being the chairman of the conference, uh, is, is that, that. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the job, uh, <laughs> which is good because I spend a lot of time on it, yeah, especially right. this time of year. Uh, and it had, I mean, it, it's, it's such a challenge. Uh, it, it's a great challenge. And, and I think it's, as you say, keeping things fresh, but also because our, this, what we call the sponsorship industry has become so diverse, uh, where you've got, you know, the, the, the people in that room, those 1200 people, you've got people from small art museums mm-hmm. in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and you've got somebody from the NFL and you've got people from, Pepsi, and you've got people from small brands, and you've got all the agencies, and, and you just get this mix of you know, nonprofits, for profits. Right. So the challenge is, how do we find something that's relevant for everybody? Um, you know, and certainly we have a lot of breakout sessions. So it's one of the ways we do that because we know that you know not not every topic is going to be relevant to the NFL as is going to be uh, relevant to the uh, the Salt Lake City Ballet. So uh, you've got to have a lot of different you know. We, get very granular in our roundtables and uh, get very specific in those topics and then bring everybody together for the for the bigger presentations. Um, but it's still, I think that's become the the biggest challenge. I think there were there was a lot more common ground uh, between right. sports, arts, charities, uh, music producers, festivals uh, 
20, 30 years ago than there is today. Um, and I think a lot of that is with, when you start to talk about things like technology and there are just some things that larger organizations are going to be able to do today that smaller organizations just don't have the resources to. Uh, I think so, that's the trick, right, is that if we can find that way to distill that information down or, or, or um, yeah, I mean, basically that's it, but break it down because the, what the NFL can do is very different from, like you said, a, a, a minor league baseball team in you know, Sioux Falls or something like right. that. So to be able to, well, this is, okay, don't just skip over this article, but here's ways, or don't not go to the session. Right. Here's a way that it also that it could actually be re very relevant to you, that you can apply this stuff. That's huge to be able to do that. And I mean, now it runs, you do some events welcoming people in and, and intro stuff on Sunday afternoon. And then right. it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday into the afternoon as well. Yeah. That's a lot of programming. <laughs> it is, but you actually only, you know, we, we also are cognizant of people's times and right. people have less time. To, we've actually had people who've said, yeah. Maybe it should only be two days because it's hard to commit to the three days. And we understand that. But at the same time, there's so much to talk about in this industry. There's so many aspects to partnerships and sponsorships. Like, oh, my God, how can I condense it down to uh, two days from two and a half or three? Right. Um, because when we you know, we list out all of the things that people want to talk about, there, there's a lot there. So yeah. that's always the it's another balancing act. What's maybe helped you succeed, not just survive, I guess, but succeed. Uh, is understanding, I mean, I'm biased towards uh, understanding that networking is a big part of this, oh, that there's that whole element that that it, you're encouraging it and, and not just in events, but just in the way that some of these sessions and br uh, breakouts and whatever are set up that crossover, you can be a senior person at a you know, an NFL or a Fortune 50 brand with a C title <laughs> and the person next to you could be, you know, just graduating and Starting it as an intern at uh, some small organization, right. and th th but there's some there is some common ground there. I think that's important. That oh no, well we have to go do micro sessions for each of these people. Yeah. I think some of it's like let's bring this whole community together. But and that, those are the best stories that I hear from people. Now you don't just work here. You you do other <laughs> things of either mentoring and being involved in other organizations. I've seen actually a fairly long list, <laughs> starting with that you you kind of give back to Northwestern and teach a sports sponsorship class there, yeah. but you've also been involved in social services agencies and theater and business councils and other non nonprofits here. It's a long list, <laughs> and I think that's important. You can't only have a job, and you can't you, you've got to be able to find other channels, other ways to help people, other way. You know, I, I just talk about that a lot. We want to talk about any of these things that you've you've done or are doing sure. right now that are worth a little mention and why they're important or what you get out of them. Because yeah. you know, we're not only just our jobs. No, and I think it. it, it you know, I had great parents who instilled in me that uh, you know giving back is is important. And uh, you know, I I've been very privileged to have this great career and and definitely love to see see people succeed, uh, especially the younger generations as I become part of the older <laughs> generation. But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, teaching is uh, something I've always been interested in doing. And uh, the fact that I'm getting to do it at my alma mater is, is fantastic. Um, so really uh, just started doing that and, and uh, I'm really, really excited about that. And then, uh, well, you that's know, not some, that's fairly it, new for you that you've been it, teaching. It is. Yeah. I just started last year. Oh, really? So yeah, huh. yeah. I had assumed that you had been doing that for a long time. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Even at an old age, Jim. You can <laughs> Always teach can an learn old, an old dog new tricks Absolutely. or whatever it is. All right, sorry. I'm no, no, no. Keep going. Yeah, and then uh, you know, as I mentioned, that I you know had that early interest in theater, and I've always loved theater. And again, my Northwestern alumni connections. Twenty years ago, met some people who were starting up a new theater company uh, in Chicago called About Face Theater. They asked me to join their uh, the inaugural board of that, and uh, I was on that board for about thirteen years. Became wow. chairman of the board. We've done some really great. Uh, productions. Uh, happy to say that that theater can continues to grow and, and thrive up in Lakeview. So and that, were you, when did you get involved with that? Was that pretty much right out of school? Or were that you was, working no, for, for me, that was, uh, the theater's around 20 years, a little over 20 years. That was 96, 97. Yeah, uh, so so been I've been out. out for about 10 years. Now yeah. was, that's interesting. I just think, of, uh, and you got involved because it was, it was, uh, well, you had some, some passion for the theater, yeah. the arts, for example, and it was some other Northwestern people that you knew. Exactly. And, how much of that was 
can you help us sell sponsorships? That was exactly what it was. So the the quick story is we had started, a group of friends and I had had started a, uh, the Northwestern University Gay and Lesbian Alumni Association Mm -hmm. uh, back in 95, which was the first uh, of its kind. Uh, And the guys that were starting the theater uh, came to one of our our meetings and I had gotten American Express to give us $3,000 for the first uh, New Gala homecoming reception. Um, That's that Northwestern, Northwestern University New Gala. Okay. Exactly. Uh, so one of them approached me afterwards and said, so you, you know about that? sponsorship. <laughs> I'm starting up a theater company. And boy, we could use some American Express money. Uh, and I said, well, let's, you know, let's have a coffee and tell me about the theater. I love theater. And but that's, that's where it. the conversation that's began. That's where it makes sense versus, uh, you know, just some, it wasn't totally random. There's right. these connecting these dots there. But I think that's important for people. Like, how can I, I need to find something else to fulfill my you know, my, my life outside of work, that's the way you go about yeah. doing it, basically, is you weren't even necessarily going about doing it. You were open to opportunities, right. and it was a fit, and somebody else brought it up, and like, perfect. I like theater. I've mm-hmm. got I've got network uh, connections in here. I can use my connections to help this thing get off the ground, mm-hmm. my expertise, and have some fun with it. Yeah. So, And I think the example of Eric Rosen, the, the artistic director and founder, being bold enough at that point to just walk right. up to me afterwards and saying, hey, I need to meet you. <laughs> you know, you have a skill that I need for my organization. Are you interested in talking to me? Uh, and he got a yes. So well, that, That's a good point, too, is that pe- people being on the other side of it, like, uh, you know, it's it's I see it to a small extent with painless events and people like are nervous to come up and talk to me at our events. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> I'm just this, I'm a goofy guy that likes you know, helping people get connected. Don't right. be shy to come up and talk right. to me. And hopefully after they've done so, there's a benefit to that. I help connect them to somebody else and they're off and running on whatever, a job search or, you know, partnering with somebody on some business. Right. It's the same thing that it's that these other folks around, there are just people. I mean, every once in a while they could be a gigantic a-holes, <laughs> but you won't find that out until you ask. And right. most of the time they're not. Right. And then you end up, you're like, you know, maybe he had done some homework too and knew you're, you'd like to go to the theater or something like that, but maybe not. Yeah, but I hey, I saw this kind <laughs> of a connection. Could you help? What's the worst thing you can do? Right. You could say no, or you could be a, you could be a jerk about it and say no and make him feel bad. But you're not like that, and most people aren't. Right. And without asking, he doesn't know. And right. then h- how long you've been involved with this organization for you ended up on the as the chair of the board right. from something almost frankly random like that yeah. that's that's a great story sorry i as you can tell i get fired up about some <laughs> various random things right. and get up on my soapbox well, on it but that's how you get involved and you found probably a lot of joy out of that oh gosh yeah new friendships i, I have and, lifelong friends now right. my, my friends who i'm traveling with hopefully avoiding the snow yeah, right. uh you know two of them i met through uh through being on the Seriously, board of that theater. Oh, that's yeah. funny yeah. that is so. a small world it ties it all back <laughs> in jim yeah i think we've personally I think we've had a great conversation here, but uh, you know, do we do we miss anything? And hopefully, uh, everybody listening is checking out the IEG sponsorship conference coming up April eighth to eleventh. IEG2018.com. Check that out. There is a, a, a great deal uh, for painless members. Save twenty percent off. So check out the the link and the code in the, the podcast description. So one more time, hammering that home. But. Anything else of uh, parting shots, other projects you're working on, or anything specific even to the conference that you want people to know about? Uh, I, I would say two things. And I think the, the conversation we were just having reminded that taking the initiative. And uh, I, I just had a conversation with one of our former interns um, who reached out to me and said, hey, I'm you know, in the job market, uh, need, some, need some advice. Would you have a beer with me? And, you know, I, I, of course I said yes. And I think as part of that conversation, he had said, you know, I, I almost didn't call because I didn't know if you, uh, you know, really had the time or the inclination to do this kind of thing. And I said, you know, obviously you were, it would be very hard for me personally to say no to somebody I know. Somebody who you know, sat here and I worked with for four months or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, quite frankly, 
a stranger, I might I have an easier time saying no yeah, to me. You can't I can't do everything. Uh, meet meet with everybody. But the fact that he said I almost didn't do this, you know, and it goes back to the the, the theater conversation as well. You know, it's very easy to sit there and go, boy, that would be somebody I'd really like to mm-hmm. to talk to. You can create just, a lot of excuses in your head not yeah, to, right? Just and, and don't I, do that. Take initiative. That's and a I great thought, how many of other other ex interns are out there probably thinking the same thing? Because most of them don't reach out and maybe they've all gotten jobs and moved on, but I'm so, you know, that incredible they, training. They're they, all they, so successful. Yeah. They don't need it, but. Uh, but they, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, and it, it, that's happened to me too. It's like, how, oh, um, you know, I, I was trying to help a friend find uh, a, a position and, uh, I thought, gee, I know somebody that's tangentially connected to that. And even though they don't know, and I almost didn't reach out to say, Hey, could you put in a word for, for this person? Uh, but I did, and they were like, absolutely. And the person got in and, yeah. and got an interview that was tough to get. And right. it was probably because I decided, right. what the heck, it's not right. going to hurt me no. to to send a, a, an email to this guy I know saying, hey, would you mind? All you can do is say no. So, right. Right. Uh, And the other quick thing, I yeah. did one of the, these, the, the new um, uh, volunteer work that I'm doing. We've just really just started uh, forming an organization called Home Field Alliance, and that is specifically a, a networking organization, uh, so close to your heart, but specifically for LGBTQ professionals in sports and events. Oh, Really? Yeah. So we're pretty excited about that. That's um, great. Well, yeah. let's, well, when we're done, let's we'll talk some more because I'll put that out to the whole painless group. Find things in common or ways to get over hurdles of having conversations with people. Maybe that's a, a way somebody can can do it. That's that's what this is about. That's that's very cool. Yeah, it's it's been something that you know, people have talked again talked about doing it for for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have to give credit to uh, a guy by the name of Jake Lenz, uh, who's been in Chicago for a while doing sponsorship for uh, BMO Harris and Premier Partnerships. And he's just about to start a new job uh, here in a couple of weeks uh, as a sponsorship person. And you know, he really took the initiative. He's about thirty years younger than I am, and uh, was like. <laughs> He just well, like had this said, idea and so said, "I want to do this." Seems like everybody is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? There are more and more of them, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that's uh, very cool. Yeah, well, yeah so. let's let we'll talk some more so I can make sure I get the info out and 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 keep can you, keep an eye out, folks, for that <laughs> info from Jim. Any anything else? I think this this was this was good. I'll put your contact information on um, uh, in the pod description if you whatever you're willing to share with social and uh, oh yeah, happy to have people as well as the IEG. Um, social handles too so look for all that but uh, thank you very much Jim and uh, safe travels hopefully we're, we're recording this on um, Thursday the 8th right before we're supposed to get a foot of snow and Jim is uh, hoping the airport delays don't uh, <laughs> pin him in thanks again for, for carving out some time of your busy schedule we really appreciate you joining me for the uh, Painless Podcast thanks Chris it's been a pleasure again a big thanks to Jim Andrews and I know I'm looking forward to seeing him at IEG Sponsorship Conference. Hope you'll join me as well. Check the pod description for links to connect with Jim, IEG SP Properties. Plus, get that IEG Sponsorship Conference link and that discount code for painless members, IEG 2018PN. Also in that description, don't miss sweet savings from the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle. Get 10 bucks off the entry and save the date for our next event coming up on Thursday, March 15th. It's our annual Tourney Watch St. Patty's event. We're going to Joe's on Weed this year. It is going to be a good time. Save the date. Go to painless.network calendar for more details. All right, I'm going to get the heck out of your ears. Have a great Valentine's Day the rest of the week. Until next time, it's Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends. 